Praise the Lord. Um, it is a delight to be here with us this morning as we uh, get to hear from the Word of God. And uh, today's topic is walking with God. Um, this day was, uh, we did not anticipate for it, but nevertheless, we thank God that He has given us the gather and listen to the Word of God. Praise the Lord. Yeah, so um, I want to invite you to walk with me uh, through a number of verses, a selected number of verses, as we speak of this uh, particular topic of walking with God. And uh, this is quite a topic now that you have been reflecting on the theme of walking with God. But also it's an important topic, especially for us that are going home for attachments and long holidays. But even apart from that, walking with God is a necessary topic for any Christian at any particular time. Because that is the duty of the Christian to walk with God. And that's what the Lord requires of us. As you are reminded at some point when you are doing an exposition of Nika, that what does the Lord require of you to act justly, to act with mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. So, um, it is relevant for us at um, all times. And this sermon is meant to demonstrate the biblical concept of what it means to walk with God and to give some of the practical um, ways in which, as believers, we maintain our walk with God. Now, the, the phrase walking with God is not a very strange phrase to us. We often use it many times, at times we say the Christian walk. And uh, I, I want to read an, a number of verses just to guide us to bring out what really it entails to say walking with God. And I want to say this by a way of introduction, that in many ways that the word walking with God, or the phrase walking with God is used, it is used to demonstrate a manner of life, uh, or to demonstrate a way of life that is, so in this case we are talking about walking with God, a manner of life that is worthy of the Lord, a manner of life that is based on the character of God, and is based on the fact that we are to please God. So it is basically a manner of life in the context in which it is used. And so, first I would like us to read from the book of Colossians chapter 1, verse 9 to 10, just to see where the word walk is used, and now to bring out its meaning as a manner of life. And so Colossians says that, For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will, through all the wisdom and understanding of the Spirit gives, so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord, and please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God. Now, other versions doesn't say live a life worthy of the Lord, talks about walk a life worthy of the Lord. And so basically we see there walking with God means I'm a, oh sorry the term walking means basically a manner of life and in this case a manner of life worthy of our calling and worthy of God. Secondly I would like to read from first uh, John chapter two verse six. Uh, first John chapter two verse six and he talks about 
that whoever claims to live in him must walk as Jesus did. So that whoever um, professes to be a Christian walks as Jesus did. And so that is to mean that anyone who claims to, to abide in Christ um, walks after the manner of Christ, walks after Christ uh, in, in his faith, in his love, in his devotion, in his obedience, in his selflessness, which are revealed in Scripture. So this is a manner of life after Christ. And one more verse, which of course we will not get a lot from that, is where the word walking with God is used now uh, in its fullness. It's in Genesis chapter 5, verse 24, we are introduced to a man called Enoch. And the Bible talks about that Enoch walked with God and he was no more because God took him away. So the word walk with God is not a very strange uh, phrase even in, in the scripture. I was thinking about Enoch and I was thinking that his eulogy would be very interesting in modern times uh, because he had a very short account and he was no more. So, yeah, so uh, walking uh, a manner worthy of the Lord, a life that reflects God's character and to please Him. There's also a contrast in Scripture about now, uh, we're talking about walking with God. It means that there is an alternative way, which of course is not what the Bible advocates for or what God advocates for. And we can get that from the book of Ephesians chapter 4 verse 17. Uh, today I think we do a journey of verses. Uh, Ephesians chapter 4 verse 17. There is another way. So I tell you this and insist on it in the Lord that you must no longer live or walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. And so in contrast to walking with God, there is also walking in the manner of the ungodly. And probably the psalmist would help us to solidify this idea when he says about the fact, not Anthony the psalmist, <laughs> when he talks about the fact that uh, blessed is the man who uh, walks not in the counsel of the ungodly. And so there is a way in which we can walk in the counsel of the ungodly according to the ways of this world and according to the counsel of the ungodly. And this probably gives us a reason to do a self-reflection even as we go on with the sermon. That there is walking with God, but there is also walking in the counsel of the ungodly. And of course, even in that portion of someone, it ends with showing that the counsel of the ungodly leads to destruction. And the wicked, as the Bible says, will be uh, like chaff, destroyed in the day of judgment. They will not stand in the day of judgment. So, having seen uh, what the word uh, walking with God means, then where is the starting point of uh, walking with God? Just a minute. Continue, Lamek. I'm listening. Continue. Yeah, where's the starting point of walking with God? And the Bible offers a very profound question in the book of Amos chapter 3, verse 3. And us to go to Amos chapter 3, verse 3, talking about walking. And we want to see what, what, what it really means, what it really means, or what is the starting point of walking with God. And Amos chapter 3, verse 3, 
poses a very profound rhetorical question that do two walk together unless they have agreed to do so? Uh, I know this is a very common verse and I, I know at some, at some point probably it will be used in some uh, covenantal defense. <laughs> so do two walk together unless they have agreed to do so? And so we cannot walk with someone that we have not agreed to walk with. And so it is with God. Um, and so walking with God begins with a reconciliation between us and Him. And, as, and this brings us to the heart of the Gospel. I think we heard the Gospel weekend at some point, and we have been reminded about the Gospel several times, that we cannot walk together until it starts from a point that we have been reconciled to Him. And the Gospel lays to us the fact that God is holy, that God is just, but we are not. The Bible uniformly reports the fact that all men have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And even beyond that, the Bible says that the carnal mind is hostile to God. And so, before even we walk with God, we begin from a point of reconciliation with this holy and just God. And so, the dilemma is how can a sinful man be reconciled to a holy God? And the dilemma is acid solutions in the life in the, in the death and in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And so that anyone that has placed their faith in Christ, their sins are imputed to Christ, and Christ's righteousness are imputed unto him. And so today, even as we reflect on that beginning point of walking with God, I just want to pose a question that, are you truly saved? Are you truly in reconciliation with God? Um, because only and only then can there be an agreement, and that is the only prerequisite or condition for us walking with God. And so, today, if you have not been born again, consider this Christ, um, whom you need most, not necessarily whom you want, but whom you need the most. And the gospel leads us to self-examination every time. It doesn't matter even if you have been in church for quite some time, you have been... Um, Christian by name, so it leads us to self-examination. Are we really truly saved? Uh, a question that, do you have room for Christ in your heart? Or it will be said for you in, uh, about you that there was no room for Christ in the manger of your heart. And for the Christian, do you know that uh, by having a room for Christ in your heart, the world does not have a room for you. So those are questions for us to think about. So um, why do we walk with God? We have begun from a point of salvation. That the condition for us walking with God is that the prevailing hostility towards God must be taken away uh, by Christ through his work and by us placing our faith in him. And so uh, this salvation is not based on good works. We are not same because we were good in and of ourselves, but it is because it is by grace through faith, as Ephesians says. But the outcome of this salvation is the good works, and now what we're talking about now, even walking with God, it entails are doing things that can be categorized as the good works, and this is the outcome of salvation. So why you walk with God is essentially because um, we have been saved for good works, and God has saved us. This God who is sovereign over all, 
who created heavens and earth, who sustains the earth and heavens and everything that is in it. So we have been called into a family of God. And if we have this salvation, we have found a treasure that is not worth comparing. And we have been brought into communion with that Holy One. <clears throat> and this is also a God whom everyone will give an account to, <clears throat> ultimately, as the Bible reports. And these are, not, these are not abstract ideas. These are facts found in Scripture. So all that gives us a basis of us walking with God, living a manner that is worthy of the Lord, as even our theme has been, to follow God's example as dearly beloved children and walking in love just as Christ loved you and gave up himself for us. And so when you look at it keenly, therefore, there is no any higher um, endeavor that can truly satisfy or can be truly be important for us both here and eternally than knowing and walking with God now that he has saved us and he has called us to himself sometimes we are so uh, preoccupied with the things of this world but the highest endeavor therefore would be walking with God praise the Lord and there is a great cloud of witnesses behind us in biblical times and in history in modern times People who have walked cheerfully with their God, uh, cheerfully to mean that it was not motivated by the fear of punishment or some entirely by the fear of punishment, but by love towards God, now that God first loved us when we were unlovable. He first loved us, and therefore, even our living a life worthy of Him or walking with Him is motivated by love towards Him which of course is motivated by his love first towards us. People who have counted Christ's yoke, who have taken his service of obedience as freedom, because walking with God and obedience to him is truly liberating to us. And progressing in their sanctification, progressing in their seeking to be more and more like Christ. Because when we are talking about walking, it is Humanly speaking, you, when you think about walking, it is taking steps. It is not remaining at one point uh, or stagnating at one point. So the question is whether this can be said of us as Christians. I began by talking about the fact that it begins from a point of us having a reconciliation with God through the work of Christ. And then what comes out of it is now um, the good works that God had prepared for us, as Ephesians says, and also it requires human responsibility to walk with God, to live a life that is worthy of Him, motivated by love. And if we do not do this, we might be in that category of what the Bible says, that they call unto Him, Lord, Lord, but they are not really um, of Him. And we know that we are in the world, but, but not of it. Praise the Lord. And so... Um, as we drive towards the conclusion, I want to talk about a few practical ways that believers can maintain their walk with God. A few practical ways in which believers can maintain their walk with God. And some of these ways, we talk about them very broadly, but just to say as a matter of principle that believers can maintain their walk with God by embracing the various disciplines and means of grace 
that have been given to us by God to embrace the disciplines that have been given providentially to us by God. Praise the Lord. And one will be reading of the word of God. The word of God reveals to us the character of God. The word of God gives us who God is and what he requires of us. And if we know the character of God, that acts as a base for our conduct. Because if we know who God is, what he requires of us, what is the character of God, then we have a basis for doing the good things that he has called us to, to live a life that is worthy of what you mean. Praise the Lord. Amen. Um, it provides us with what the Lord requires of us in obedience, which is, as I said earlier, is liberating. Um, man shall not live on bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. And uh, the word of God reveals to us about Jesus Christ, who is the bread of life. And if this bread is not eaten, then Christ is truly is honored. Um, one of the authors expressed a concern that uh, I think is quite true, that superficiality is the curse of our age, where we, we have so neglected the diligent study of the word of God, and so we so easily accommodate sin, we so easily entangled in the world, and we are so easily swayed, even in terms of our convictions, the knowledge of truth, Living that truth, defending that truth, and proclaiming that truth. And I pray that God will enable us to embrace the discipline of reading the word of God, which gives us the character of which we learn about God, and which gives us what the Lord requires of us. And that is what God wants us to do. And I pray that we will have the desire, like David, to say, How I love your law. The word of God is like a mirror. Uh, James chapter 1 verse 22 to 23. Um, uh, James chapter 1 verse 22 to 23, it says, Do not merely listen to the word, and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word, but does not do what it says, is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror, and after looking at himself, goes away, immediately forgets what it looks like. So the word of God is like a mirror. It gives us the best picture of ourselves uh, like a, a normal mirror would do. And so from it we can be able to see our character and also see who God is. And therefore go to him in depending to him that he would change us and transform us to be more and more like him. Praise the Lord. Uh, secondly is prayer. We in prayer we express humility that with our weaknesses we fully and totally depend on God that he will help us to be consistent in our walk with him. We are not sufficient of ourselves as the Bible says. So even as we are talking about walking with God and even as we are talking about walking and living a life that is worthy of the Lord, one thing that remains is that we are not sufficient in ourselves. Uh, our sufficiency comes from Christ. And even Paul uh, demonstrates this when he says that uh, the things I want to do, I find them, I find myself not doing the things that I want to do, I don't do. And so, 
that is just to, to give us a picture of how sinful we are and the fact that even if we are in this family of God, it is by the righteousness of Christ, not by our own. And so even in that part, passage, Paul comes now at the end to say that thanks be to Christ who delivers me uh, on a constant basis. So prayer is to, to express humility to God. And prayer nurtures obedience, even as you're talking about a manner that is worthy of the Lord, walking according as Christ walked. Prayer nurtures obedience. And this you can be able to read through the Psalms. And you see how uh, true prayer changes us. It, it gives us that um, frame of mind to obey God. David would pour out his heart to God to ask, for instance, that uh, guide my footsteps according to your word. That he would pray to God that let the meditations of my heart and the words of my mouth to be pleasing to you, Lord. So let's pour out our hearts to God that he would give us grace to remain steadfast in him and enjoy him. Because uh, again, our chief end in this uh, as, as a way of responding to why we walk with God. Because our chief end is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. Every other thing becomes secondary, including our pursuit for wealth, our pursuit for excellence in terms of materialistic things. They become uh, secondary because we know, and this is a fact from scripture, that everything will pass away and then everyone will stand uh, before the throne of God. Praise the Lord. And there's a way prayerlessness <coughs> cultivates or acts as a catalyst to sin. And on the other hand, sin uh, leads to prayerlessness in, some, in many instances. So let's be careful and examine ourselves carefully. If there is any sin that is enslaving us at some point, and ask God that he would help us to overcome, uh, we may not be able to <coughs> mention all the sins. There's one preacher feared that if he would mention particular sins, then people would go home saying that my sin wasn't mentioned. <laughs> So let us ask God graciously to help us in our burdens and to give us rest in Him. Our thirdly is fellowship. And this probably will be important even as we go home. I know uh, we're going for many things, attachments and holiday. We are prone to wonder. That's a reality again. Going back to the point that we are still uh, weak in our flesh. And so like iron sharpens iron, so we need each other to sharpen each other, even in this walk, that we may live a life worthy of the Lord. So even at home, let's not neglect the meeting together with fellow believers and ask God that he would help us to navigate through it because there are many things that come again with um, all these things. And so in conclusion, I want again to bring back us to the point that we are not sufficient in ourselves. The God who has called us is able to keep us in this faith, in our walk with him, and to hold us because he first loved us. He's able to keep us even in this way. He who begins a good work in us is able to lead us even into completion. And what are the chances that the sovereign God who has called us in this salvation would leave us? And the simple answer is not a chance. So, um, 
the Lord has been our refuge in the Bible as we see. He's our dwelling place, as the psalmist says in Psalms 90, in Psalm 90, and under the shadow of his throne, as one writer said, uh, his saints have dwelt secure. So, as we think about this subject of walking with God and connecting it with our theme, imitators of God, let's think of it in a broader perspective that it is for our highest good, but it is also it glorifies God for us to walk humbly in Him. But if we are not walking with Him, then it means that the only two ways that we are walking according to the patterns of this, of this world. And the Bible calls us that if that is the case, let us consider turning back to Him. If you are on the wrong road, uh, you are walking on a, on a wrong road. Progress means that you take a turn about and get back to the right road. And so, the most progressive man in that case is the one who turns back soonest. So, I want to plead with you that we will take this matter seriously and consider them keenly because they have eternal perspectives. And for them that have not given their life to Christ, this is also a moment to consider that walking with God, the sovereign God, whom when we think about every bit about him, his beauty, his attributes, his excellences, we ask like David, who is a man that you should think of him? Yet he has called us, he pursues us to walk with him. He first sent his son that he would die on the cross, that we would get salvation. But even beyond that, he still helps us in our weaknesses. And God is faithful and, and uh, is able to keep us to the end. So I want to make a prayer even as we draw towards the completion. Shall we pray? Our Father and our God, we thank you for your word, our Lord. We thank you because you reminded us that we ought to walk with you and we ought to be in communion with you, our Father. Because this will glorify you, O God, and it will be our greatest delight, O Father. We pray that may you strengthen us, O God, even in our weaknesses, that Lord, we may consider these things that are of utmost importance to our lives, O God. Even in the pressures of life and the many things that happen around us, may you, Father, remind us, O God, that finding you is a treasure, Lord, that we need to keep, O Father, and delight in. Pray that, Lord, you will draw men to yourself, O God, and those that have not given their lives to you, Father, that change, would you, the dispositions of their hearts, that they would begin to love the things of God and hate the things of this world. We thank you, Father, because of this chance, oh Father, to share the word of God. Pray that as we depart, Lord, you help us, those that are having exams, that continue strengthening them, Father, and meet us at the point of our needs. And even at home, oh God, may you constantly remind us to walk with you. Lord, and to be imitators of God, to reflect on the things that you've been teaching us, better as Mr. Lord, and to put them into practice, because your word says that if any man uh, listens to your word but does not put it into practice, it is in vain, O oh Lord. This short prayer we pray in the name of Christ. Amen.